It's not about the money. Yeah, right. Hi, I'm Rose. I'm 17 years old, and I work three jobs. And I'm also a student. I do everything in my life for money. Of course, a lot of people say it's not about the money, but that's said by those who have it. I can't boast about that. I grew up in an average family. We had an average income, until my father left us, found some young girl and rode off into the sunset, and me and my mom were left with rent, debt, credit, and no dollar in our pockets. Not fun, huh? Anyway, after my dad left, I was 10 years old at the time, my mom started working any job she could get just to pay off her debts and feed me. My mother married my father young, so she didn't have time to get an education or any kind of profession. She scrubbed floors and worked part-time as a waitress in a cheap diner, a laundress. My mother tried to do everything so that I did not need anything, and from me required only to study well and be obedient. At school, I was often teased because I didn't dress fashionably. We just didn't have the opportunity to buy me nice things. Most of the time, I wore what my mother brought from a secondhand shop. But I tried to study hard so I could start earning a lot in the future. I made it my goal to get rich by any means. Later in high school, I learned how to sew, hem, and decorate my clothes. I sat and sewed all night long. Everyone began to notice how I dressed more fashionably and tastefully. I even began to think about working as a model. My dream was to create clothes, for my collections to be exhibited in Milan. But my dreams didn't come true. My mother was diagnosed with a terrible brain tumor. Mom couldn't work anymore. Her condition was getting worse and worse. To pay for the expensive treatment, I began to work several jobs. And at the same time, at night, I sewed clothes to order. I was not ashamed of any work. At first, when my mother first got sick, I started to replace her at her jobs. Then I started working there instead of her. Mom felt guilty that I had to skip school to earn money. Oh, honey, I'm sorry. I'll get better soon and you can go back to school. And you will become the most recognized fashion designer. Sure, Mom, but first you need to get better. I'll still make it. I'm so sad that you have to take care of me. Oh, Mom, stop it. I love you, and I'll do anything to make you well again. Once again, while looking for another part-time job, I came across an ad to come up with work uniforms for Sparks employees. I had heard that it was a very large company that dealt in real estate, automobiles, construction, and more. I immediately sent in my work and resume. If I got it, good. And if not, then, oh well. The answer came just a couple of days later. Dear Rose Priestley, we're pleased to announce that you have been selected for the competition on your application. Congratulations, you have passed the first round. For the second round, we are waiting for you in our office. I couldn't believe my luck. If I got this job, then this payment would be enough even to pay for my mother's surgery. At the appointed time, I went to the company's office. I was escorted into the interview room. A young man of about 25 was already waiting there. It was strange, such a young man, and he was already entrusted with such a serious task. Hello, Miss Rose. My name is Iman. I'll be interviewing you. How do you do? 
Nice to meet you. So, tell me, how long have you been making clothes? It's just you're so young. About three years. I started sewing my own clothes when I was 14. Generally, in such a big company, we select professionals with at least 10 years of experience. We can't accept you. You don't even have experience in a similar job. Have you ever done work for another firm? No, but I'm a quick learner and I'm willing to try to do things your way. I, I really need this job. I'm sorry, but no, you're rejected. I was so angry. That man didn't even bother to look at my work. He could at least have opened the file in front of him. Then why did you call me for this interview if you weren't happy with my age? The first round was selected by someone else. I'll definitely point out the mistake to him. So my work is a mistake? I'm sure I'll be able to cope with the task at hand. But you're a fool if you judge people's skills by their age. How dare you talk to me like that? Then you've earned it. And I'll say it again. You're an idiot. He looked at me as if he was ready to throw me out the window. But I didn't care. I was so angry. Especially since I'd taken a day off from my proper job to go to this damn interview. Which meant I lost my pay for the day. This Iman looked so confident and smug that I just couldn't hold my tongue. Because of your stupidity, I lost time and money. If you can't do your job properly, you shouldn't be in your position. His eyes rounded, and I slammed the door and walked out. I went to the hospital to see my mother. I wouldn't have anything to do all day anyway. Mom immediately realized that I was upset about something. Sweetheart, what happened? Did somebody hurt you? No, Mom. Everything's okay. I'm just a little tired. I'm sorry. You have nothing to be sorry for. Just get better soon. Then the doctor came into the room and said he wanted to talk to me. He said that if my mom didn't have an operation soon, it would be too late, and the chances of a full recovery would be gone. I began to panic, wondering where to get the money. Even though I was working several jobs, there was no way to save us. Because I was a minor, they would not hire me full time. I used to go home and cry with such heavy thoughts. It seemed to me that I just couldn't cope with it all. Walking up to the house, I noticed a car parked out front. Yeah, it was impossible not to notice it. It was red, a brand new foreign car. Only rich people drive those. They got the wrong address, didn't they? Just as I thought this, I saw a man get out of the car. No way! The man standing in front of me was the guy from the interview, Iman. He said, Hi, Rose. Did you change your mind and decide to give it a shot? Well, you said you needed the money. You don't have to feel sorry for me. I just said I needed the job. I'm willing to offer you a deal. I don't understand. I'll pay you 200000 if you play the part of my girlfriend. What the hell are you talking about? Your girlfriend? I'm having a family dinner tomorrow night, and I need to show up with my fiancé. Well, I don't have one, so why don't we help each other out? Are you kidding me? Look, I really need your help. You're beautiful, you're smart, and most importantly, not afraid of me, and behave with me confidently. You're a good fit. Here's my card. I expect to hear from you tomorrow morning.
He got into his fancy car and drove off, and I was left standing there with my mouth open. I was up all night thinking, 200,000? That would be enough to pay for my mother's surgery and treatment. I couldn't earn that much in such a short time, so I decided to take it. In the morning, I dialed Iman's number and told him my answer. An hour later, a driver picked me up and took me shopping. Mr. Sparks said to pick out an elegant and modest outfit, and also to go to the beauty parlor and fix your hair. Here's the cash. What a bloody arrogant little man! Mr. Sparks, so he's the corporate's heir? And what was wrong with my hair? What can you do? Work is work. That evening, Iman picked me up and took me to a fancy restaurant. His whole family was there. Turns out it was his grandmother's anniversary party. He introduced me to everyone as his fiance. The evening went smoothly, except for the fact that dozens of eyes were staring at me the whole time. And one girl looked at me as if I'd stolen her money. At the end of the night, Iman came up to me and whispered that we were leaving soon. I breathed a sigh of relief. I just wanted to get the circus over with and go. In the car, I wondered why he was putting on this show. Why do you need all this? My family is pressuring me. They want me to marry Chloe. She's the one that was giving you a death stare. So that's what this was about. I couldn't figure out what I'd done to her. She's my daddy's business partner's daughter. They want to be in-laws, but I don't want to marry her. I don't like her. But now everyone will think that you'll marry someone else. Later, I'll tell them that we broke up and I took our breakup hard. But that's not fair, at least in relation to your grandmother. You're going to teach me morals when you're willing to do anything for money? Look, you got it wrong. I need the money to pay for my mom's surgery. I'm not just after it for nothing. I told him how hard it was for mom when dad left, and about her diagnosis, and about how time was running out. Iman drove me home, and then he asked me to send my sketches to his personal email account, and he said I'd get the money for my help tomorrow. In the morning, I never got the call. I went to the hospital and hoped that that man would keep his word. When I went into the room, my mother wasn't there. I started calling the nurse, screaming and crying. Something bad must have happened. Where's mom? What was going on? A nurse rushed into the room and said that my mother had been rushed away for surgery. It seemed like I waited forever. Then the surgeon came out of the operating room and said that all went well. The tumor had been removed. But now we had a long treatment and recovery. I began to cry for joy. My mother was transferred to a ward. While she was sleeping, I went to her doctor to find out how much we had to pay for the surgery. But he told me that everything had already been paid for. And not just the surgery, but the follow-up care as well. So, Mr. Sparks had kept his word. I told my mother that I'd done a big job and that the payment was enough for the operation. I only hid from her the fact that I had to play the role of this rich guy's fiancé. Mom was discharged in a month just in time for my 18th birthday. We ordered a cake, I made lasagna, and then the doorbell rang. When I opened it, I saw a delivery guy handing me a huge bouquet of roses and a card. It said, Dear Miss Rose, I am happy to wish you a happy birthday. I hope your mother is making a speedy recovery. P.S. 
We're expecting you for an interview on Monday morning at the Sparks office. Also, there is a surprise waiting for you there. Sincerely, A. But that's a whole other story. Share this podcast to all social media, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook and so on and you'll be given a shout out. Also drop your social media username so that we can find you. Thanks for your support. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel by clicking the link in this episode description. You should also please follow or subscribe to our other podcast My Animated Story by clicking on this episode description. And also, kindly please rate and review this podcast by... You think it's fun to have a double? It might be, but not in my case. Hi, my name's Mary, and I ran into a terrible problem when my sister stole my identity. It all started on Thanksgiving. Our small family has a strange tradition of celebrating this on the second Monday of October, which is the Canadian way, even though none of us have Canadian roots. The stores are not packed with people, and turkey's cheaper, was my mother's explanation. In general, it was a pretty boring holiday. At dinner, we take turns talking about what we are thankful for this year. It's no big deal. It was another Thanksgiving, with no disasters in sight. We all gathered around the table and began to give our Thanksgiving speeches. Mom was grateful that everyone was alive and well. Dad mentioned the family's well-being and stability at work. When it was my sister Audrey's turn, she looked at me angrily at first, and then said, I'm very grateful that Mary stole my boyfriend from me, unscrupulously took my place in the play, and made a laughing stock of me when she poured lemonade all over me in the school cafeteria. And also, thanks for my burrito poisoning. We stared at her, with our mouths wide open. That's not true! I finally came to my senses. I didn't steal your boyfriend! It's just that Marcus likes me and not you! And I got the lead because I was more convincing! That's fair! The lemonade and burrito thing were an accident and I had nothing to do with it. You knew I liked Marcus. Just when I shared it with you, you started going after him. No, it's not like that. You think you're better than me, but you're an idiot. You're an idiot. I got offended. That's it. Mom was a bit late with her intervention. That's enough. What have you turned Thanksgiving into? It's fake Thanksgiving anyways, exclaimed Audrey. Go to your room, said Dad. No turkey for you. We left the table and locked ourselves in our rooms, as if we were in a castle. I started texting Marcus. Audrey went crazy and ruined fake Thanksgiving. I'm sorry. He replied, Did you at least try the turkey? No, we're left without food. That's really awful. I was boiling with anger, so I texted Marcus. Can you believe it? She claimed I stole you from her, but I didn't even like her. I know! Only Audrey thinks otherwise. Don't worry, it'll be okay. My boyfriend replied. Audrey and I didn't talk for a week. She wouldn't even look in my direction. My parents tried everything they could to reconcile us. Going shopping with us, bought us pizza, but nothing worked. Audrey shut everyone out and isolated herself. Whatever, I thought. She'll cool down, but I was wrong. Not only had she not cooled down, but she'd figured out a way to get back at me. It would have been fine if she'd, let's say, spread a rumor that I had lice. I could live with that, but Audrey came up with an elaborate revenge, even though she wasn't usually very creative. I could see she was up to something. She was fidgeting a lot, 
looking at me strangely, like a spider about to catch a fly. I gave up and decided to wait it out. Besides, I didn't have time to think about it. I was supposed to play the lead role in the Halloween play, The Witch. At the end, a bunch of angry townspeople were supposed to burn me, and I would put a curse on them before I died. It was my first major role. Before that, I played citizen number two or three. This was a big responsibility. Another rehearsal was scheduled for Wednesday. At the appointed time, everyone was standing on the stage in their costumes. Miss Patridge, our drama teacher, was going to give us the go-ahead. Suddenly, I saw Audrey in the crowd of townspeople, wearing the same costume I was wearing. Why are you wearing that? I asked as I came closer. Haven't you heard? I'll be your double. What? Yeah, in case anything happens to you. <laughs> if anything happens to me, you know, if you get hit by a car or if a flower pot falls on your head. I knew then that Audrey was up to something, something bad. Audrey was shadowing me at every rehearsal, repeating every one of my lines. Beware, you worthless people. One day, you'll pay for capturing Ruth Prendergast, I exclaimed and there was an echo over my shoulder. Beware, you worthless people! One day you pay for capturing Ruth Prendergast. Afterwards, my sister would burst out laughing with such anger that it gave me goosebumps. I felt uncomfortable having her around all the time, but that was the strangest thing that awaited me. After a while, I noticed Audrey had a new haircut, and it was exactly the same as mine. What happened to your hair? I asked her decided to change it up a little. But I thought you don't like it this length. People change, Mary. You should know that by now. I was less and less pleased with what was going on. Audrey wasn't herself. Not only had she copied my hairstyle, she started wearing my makeup. She dressed like me. And I thought she even spoke like me. At first, I thought she was mocking me. But then, I realized that she was serious. The rehearsals were ridiculous. It was hard to know who the real witch was, and who was the double. Even Miss Patridge got us mixed up sometimes. So this is your plan? I snapped at my sister at home. To be like me? No way. I'm just following your example, Miss Perfect. So, what's next? Take my place? Do you think no one will notice? She just smiled wryly and went back to her room. My parents thought it was weird too. It's like I have twin daughters now. <laughs> Mom laughed at the family dinner. Oh no, Mom. I'm the same old Audrey. My sister answered, smiling innocently. Marcus was the only one who understood me. It's getting really creepy. It's like she wants to steal your identity. Am I in a Stephen King novel about two sisters and their blood feud? Not funny, I muttered. What am I supposed to do? Try to ignore it. But how? Everyone's already starting to mix this up. Soon, Miss Patrick will put Audrey in the lead role without even realizing it. I don't think it'll come to that, Marcus reassured me. Besides, I would never confuse you with anyone else. And then I caught a cold, and I was in bed with a fever for a week. Can you imagine what happened in my absence? Audrey practically became me. She was playing two roles at the same time. The Wicked Witch and Mary. That is, me. I'll admit she was good at both. Many people didn't even notice my absence. I had to do something. I tried to talk to her, offered her whatever she wanted from my closet. I apologized, but apparently, not very sincerely. Nothing helped. 
She was more stubborn and opinionated than ever. What do you want? I asked her directly. Nothing. I just want to be as gorgeous as you are. But the strangest and most unpleasant thing was yet to come. One day, when I came home from school, I found Audrey and Ron, my ex-boyfriend at home. They were rehearsing a scene from a play. Ron? What are you doing here? I asked in surprise. Roland and I are rehearsing, Audrey said defiantly, and then we're getting something to eat afterwards. I grabbed her by the elbow and pulled her aside. Don't you think this is a little much? What do you mean? Do you think it's all about you? Maybe we were made for each other. But you're only doing it to piss me off. Yeah, right. <laughs> Audrey snorted and returned to Ron. They continued to rehearse. It wasn't long before I was confused as to who was Audrey and who was me. It was like I was in a nightmare. That wouldn't end. Since that infamous Thanksgiving, Audrey had stolen everything from me. My looks, my habits, my ex-boyfriend. Sometimes I thought she even knew what I was thinking. However, the grand finale of this long-lasting revenge still gives me shivers. The final dress rehearsal didn't go so well. I mixed up a couple of lines so I was very nervous before the performance itself. I suddenly began to realize that I have to play in front of a crowd of angry and bored teenagers. If I embarrass myself, it'll be remembered forever. Before I left the house, I spent quite a while staring at my reflection in the mirror. I hope I won't throw up. Marcus was supposed to meet me at school. When I pulled myself together and tried to open the door, I realized that it was locked. I heard Audrey laughing maliciously behind the door. Let me out, Audrey! I screamed at the top of my lungs. Unfortunately, my parents were at work, and no one could hear me. The only way out was through the window, but I was afraid of heights, and I was five meters from the ground. For another ten minutes, I tried to find other options, but there were none. Of course, I could not kick the door open. I opened the window, and shaking with fear, got out and climbed down the chestnut tree outside the house. Now, I had to get to school quickly. I ran as fast as I could. My legs were shaky, but I made it to school. I stormed into the hall and jumped in Audrey as she was getting up on stage. There was a fight between us. Instead of breaking us up, everyone was filming us on their phones. Marcus was the only one who pulled us apart. The performance was successfully disrupted. We were both stripped of our roles and replaced by Dorothy, who couldn't say two words and she looked like a real witch. She didn't even need makeup. The principal called our parents to school, and we were grounded at home afterwards. Until you make up and learn to talk to each other, you will stay grounded. Mom delivered her stern verdict. Marcus and Ron were forbidden to come to our house, so we only saw each other at school. They even took away our phones. It didn't help at first. We were both stuck in our rooms and never left them. Family dinners went on without us. The play took place without us. It wasn't me or Audrey in the spotlight, but nasty Dorothy, who managed to remember all the lines. My sister and I would have preferred to see her embarrass herself, but in the end, it was us who humiliated ourselves. Staying at home all the time was awful, especially the night before Halloween. Meredith's party was coming up, and we were still grounded. I was dying to dress up as Marilyn Monroe, wrapped in toilet paper, and spend the night with Marcus. Audrey had her own plans with Ron. In the end, we called a truce. 
I know I went a little overboard. Audrey tried to apologize, but I just didn't know what to do. You see, you were getting the best of everything, and I was always in the shadows. But you weren't. A lot of people like the real Audrey, not a copy of me. I guess you're right. I was so confused by the end. She shrugged. Now we just have to figure out how to get out of the house. Yes, we have to get to the party. But how? I had no idea. However, Audrey had a plan. We waited for our parents to say goodnight, put pillows under our blankets, and snuck out the window. Audrey helped me get down. Walking on the street alone at night was creepy. But suddenly, a car showed up with Marcus behind the wheel. We told him about our truce and headed off to the party. Why aren't you wearing costumes? Marcus asked. There was no time. I answered. We're still grounded. We had to act fast. Okay, I have an idea. Marcus drove us to the costume store, where his brother worked, which of course was already closed. But Marcus had a key. We were able to pick up the costumes we liked, and both settled on the witch look. We had an awesome time at Meredith's. We danced our heart outs, listened to scary stories. And then, we witnessed Bob from the 10th grade stuff himself with nachos and throwing up. When we got back, our parents were waiting for us on the doorstep. Well, 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 look who's sneaking around. Mom was standing in the middle of the room in her nightgown. And where were you? At a party, we admitted frankly. And how did you get out? Through the window, Audrey helped me get down. We thought we were going to be punished again. But all of a sudden, Mom smiled. I see you finally made up and are acting like real sisters. So, the house arrest is cancelled for you. We were overjoyed! This story brought Audrey and I closer to each other, and we never had another fight like that again. Tell me, have you ever had a fight with your brother or sister? What did you have to go through? Leave your comments and like this video. You can find more interesting stories on our channel. Hi, my name is Agatha, and I want to tell you the story of how my father tried to get me into the military academy. But before I start, please subscribe to the channel and like my videos. It all started on that day, when Rob and I were playing Mario Kart at my house. As it always happens, we completely forgot about time. What time is it? I asked worriedly. Two o'clock, why? Oh crap, you have to go now. We had, by my count, about 10 minutes. Unless, of course, Dad decided to stop at the store to get his favorite muffins. Before we could get our heads together, we heard the front door creak. Honey, I'm home. There was a look of horror on my face. Rob didn't understand anything and was about to say something, but I put my index finger to his lips. Hey! I yelled back at my dad. You're early today! I heard him turn on the TV. I whispered, Leave, but be quiet. What happened? Rob also asked in a whisper. My dad hates all my boyfriends. He's also a retired officer and has guns. The kid got worried. All your boyfriends? How many of them did you have? If you're so interested, not many. You'd better worry about my dad not making a sieve out of you. He's got a real temper. Okay. Rob reluctantly agreed. I left the room and quickly made my way down the stairs. I walked up to my dad and put my arm around his shoulders. How was school? He asked, not looking away from the screen. Rob, meanwhile, was still upstairs. What an idiot! To give the boy a sign, I said loudly, Okay, just hope someone comes downstairs. What? 
Dad turned around and stared at me like I was crazy. I mean, the exams. I should study more. Oh, that's right. I turned my head and saw Rob walking slowly down the stairs. Can you go any slower? I thought to myself. My father was about to turn to me, but I exclaimed in time. What a kick! Nothing special. They're playing like a bunch of monkeys today. There was a rumbling sound behind me. Rob stumbled and tumbled down the stairs. I screamed. My father jumped up from his chair and quickly grabbed the bat that was always in the corner of the room. That's when Rob got really scared and realized he had to get out of the room as quickly as possible. He jumped up from the floor and ran out of the house. Dad rushed after him. Stop, you miserable thief! I, not wanting to be the reason Rob ends up in the hospital, yelled out to my father. Wait, he's not a thief! It's Rob! Dad stopped and looked at me. Even though he was silent, I knew exactly what he was thinking. That night, I got to hear it all. I told you not to bring guys here. In fact, you're not allowed to have a boyfriend. They stick to you like flies. It's not good. And all that kind of stuff. Then dad added, If I ever see you with a boy again, I'll send you to military school. What? I was really surprised to put it mildly. Yeah, you're a loose cannon. You need discipline. And I think I've been too easy on you. But that's ridiculous. Mom wouldn't let that happen. You leave your mother out of this. Dad went back to the TV. I slammed the door and hid in my room. That's just great. I complained loudly. Now I feel like I'm in prison. I needed someone to talk to right away. So I texted Sam. SOS, help me out. A minute later, I got a reply. What's up? I'm on a date. That's amazing. I exclaimed. There are dates and boys all around me and I need to stay away from it. It was real torture. The next day at school, I grabbed Sam's hand and took her to the bathroom. Ow, that hurt. My friend was angry, but she obediently followed me. When we went to the bathroom, I checked to see if anyone was in there. It was empty. Then I said, actually, I needed your help yesterday. I wanted to respond, but Kevin, I don't want to hear anything. My life is a nightmare. What's wrong? Nothing, except that yesterday, my dad almost beat Rob with a bat. He also told me not to go out with boys or he'll send me to the military academy. Wow. Yeah, that's right. I can't give up boys, but I'm not much of a soldier either. They'll cut my hair off. I can't handle that. What are you going to do? Actually, I wanted to ask you. I needed some good advice. Sam thought for a few minutes and then she exclaimed, Bingo! I've got it! Sam's plan was pretty simple. I needed to bring back my musical past. I used to play the piano and now I need to pretend to give lessons. Instead, I would be able to go on dates without causing much suspicion from my father. Not bad, except I'm not that good at piano. You don't have to play. Just say you were asked to help. My father fell for my story when I told him about my plans. It's a good idea, he said in his usual mentor voice. Maybe you should keep practicing because you quit so abruptly and you might make a little extra money. It's a start. I was very happy. Now it was necessary to make a schedule and assign a specific time to each guy. Adam would take Wednesday after four. That's about the time he gets off practice. 
and we could go to the movies. I scheduled Andrew for Friday, 5 o'clock. He promised to take me bowling. And even though I couldn't play, it should be fun. That leaves Liam. I saved Sunday for him. My only day off. We don't do anything special with Liam. Just hang around town or sit in front of a store and make up funny nicknames for people. Usually the lesson lasted an hour, but I told my dad that I managed to get the slowest students together. And they needed more time. So I could stay for like three hours. I mean, have you ever seen a movie that lasts an hour? And then there's travel time and hugging. I'd have to multitask. Now it's time to tell you how it was put into practice and what happened in the end. On Wednesday, I prepared in advance. I gathered all my old music notebooks and came up with a cover-up story. What do you have today? My father asked me as I came down the stairs, carrying my music books under my arm and trying to cram them into my backpack as I passed him. There's a girl from China. They just arrived and her mother wants her to take some music lessons. Hmm, well, good luck with that. I kissed my dad on the forehead and went over to Kim's. I mean, to Adam. We were supposed to meet at the box office in the movie theater. I had to carry my backpack everywhere, but it wasn't such a high price to pay for trying to somehow avoid military school and another fight with my dad. The no dating option seemed absurd to me, and I didn't even consider it. We only live once, you know. I was a little late. Adam muttered something to himself, but I safely ignored his frustration. A respectable girl is never on time. Who told you that? I read it somewhere. The movie was lousy. Adam kept trying to make jokes, and he wasn't very good at it. We kept getting shushed and we were asked to behave. About halfway through the movie, I said I had to go out for a minute. Okay, Adam said. I walked out of the theater and went home. The next day, Sam asked, How was it? It could have been worse. We could have been forced out of there. Okay, first time didn't go very well. On Friday, Andrew and I went bowling. Of course, to my father, Andrew was an Andrew. And Pauline was another lost soul who wanted to learn how to play Mozart and Beethoven. Bowling turned out to be even worse than the movies. I couldn't do it at all, which made me angry. And Andrew kept saying, I don't understand. It's so easy. You pick it up and drop it. He decided to show me how to do it and got a strike. See, it's easy. Well, if that's the case, we're not going to make it. I hate bowling in general. It's an old man's game. I took my backpack and ran. I was getting desperate. There was still Liam, but he and I were more like friends. All our communication was limited to trolling random passersby. But on Saturday, the day before we were supposed to meet, the guy texted. I have an idea. It's a surprise. I was in anticipation of either a grandiose disaster or something really interesting. Turns out, Liam had bought two tickets to the Dolphinarium. I didn't know we had such a place. I was surprised. Yeah, we have a lot of interesting places in town. The show was amazing. The dolphins did all kinds of tricks. Jumped through hoops, juggled balls. It was much more interesting than that dull drama that Adam took me to. And bowling? Andrew's stupid initiative. I didn't notice how or when, but Liam took my hand. I looked at him and blushed slightly. That day confirmed one fundamental truth. Sooner or later, quantity converts to quality. All I had to do was survive two disappointing dates. But even now, we couldn't resist. 
and began to observe people in the crowd and make up amusing stories about them. Look, I pointed to a man in tight white pants with lush hair. Former jockey. Yeah, got hurt when he fell off a horse. Lives with his mother now and goes shopping in his old minivan. That was a good one, so it was Liam's turn. Over there, see? He's like, he's got a menacing face, like he's ready to pounce. And that's when I saw my father. He was looking right at us, and he didn't look happy. It's time to get out of here. On the way, I explained to Liam what happened. Weird, he summed up. Yeah, I'm afraid to imagine what's waiting for me at home. But I couldn't figure it out, what my father was doing at the Dolphinarium. I expected anything, shouting, accusations of lies, threats. But when I entered the house, my father didn't say a word. The next day, he calmly announced that he had submitted my papers to military school. My worst nightmare was coming true. No amount of tears or persuasion had any effect on dad. I locked myself in my room and didn't want to leave. Suddenly, out of the blue, someone came to the rescue. Liam texted me. Look, I think I have a solution to your problem. I sneaked out of the house and went to the place Liam had picked. He, without any greeting, said, It's a strange coincidence. I never told you about my father, but he's the director of the military school. The one where your dad wants to send you. A glimmer of hope. I spoke to him and he said he would help you. How? I don't know. But don't worry, my father will think of something. A week later, a letter came from the academy, and much to my delight, I got a rejection. My father was shocked. He even wanted to fight with the management. But after a while, he cooled off. I told him more about Liam. I explained that it wasn't a fling, and my dad decided he'd give us a chance. So I didn't get into the military academy. That's a good thing. I would have been the worst student in the history of the institution. Have you ever been able to get out of a bad situation? Tell me about it in the comments. Hi everyone, my name is Caroline, and I was homeless until the moment when billionaires took me to live in their luxurious mansion. Wondering how that happened? Stay tuned! One cold fall evening, I was trying to find money for food. Well, or just food, I didn't care. Ask me how it happened that I became homeless? Well, my parents died a couple of years ago, and I couldn't live in an orphanage because the local kids abused me. At one point, I ran away, figuring the streets would be easier for me. That night, I couldn't find a cent on the street and had already resigned myself to starving. Suddenly, I saw a well-dressed woman on her way to the supermarket. I immediately ran up to her and tried to steal her purse. Believe me, it wasn't my first robbery. The street dictates its own rules. However, at that very minute, some guy was right next to us. He pushed me away. Get lost, tramp, or you'll be in trouble. He threatened me with his fist. I didn't want to confront him and ran away. Well, now I had no food and money. But the next day, I had a surprise. The woman I was trying to steal from found me outside the supermarket, handed me a full bag of food and a warm jacket. Thank you, but why? You're too good to me. I tried to rob you. I had tears of gratitude in my eyes. I know you had to do it because of the way you live. She smiled. What's your name? Caroline. And why are you on the streets at such a young age? 
I told her the story of my life. The woman wept and promised to help me. I expected her to give me some more warm clothes and a sleeping bag and lots of food. But what happened next didn't just shock me. It killed me. In a good way, don't worry. A woman arrived in a luxury car with her husband. At this time, I was eating a baguette, trying to stretch it out into the evening. Well, that's it, Caroline. You're coming to live with us now, said my savior and smiled. What? I was so shocked. I choked on a piece of baguette. A girl like you shouldn't be living on the streets. We want to adopt you. Is that what you want too? She asked. Of course I said yes. And who wouldn't refuse in my place? On the way, I was modestly silent and terribly worried. And when we arrived, I was speechless. Now I'm going to live in a luxurious mansion, like a real castle. I was incredibly happy until I saw the guy defending my new mom. Oh, I forgot all about him. I bet he wouldn't be happy to have me in his house. Who the hell is she? He frowned at me as we got out of the car. Nick, this is your new sister, Caroline. We've decided to adopt her. Are you out of your mind? She's the tramp who tried to rob you, Mom. Nick, I get it, but it's my decision and your father's. We always wanted a second child, but you know yourself that we can't have any more. So get a normal kid from an orphanage. Nick, Caroline lives here now. Accept it said the father sternly. Nick immediately calmed down. His father seemed to be an authority he didn't risk arguing with. The boy muttered something to himself and went into the house, slamming the door loudly. Mr. and Mrs. Gilbert showed me my room, which I was absolutely delighted with. A huge bed, my own walk-in closet, lots of new and beautiful things, and a private bathroom. It's like heaven. I couldn't even dream of that. I immediately fell on my bed and cried with happiness. Now I had a home and a family. I'm not alone. But I was having trouble with Nick. I tried to get through to him, but the guy was stubbornly ignoring me. But what pissed Nick off the most was that his best friend had found common ground with me. Brian was a nice young man. He treated me like a regular girl, even though he knew I was from the streets. He helped me study. When my parents hired teachers to homeschool me, he talked to me and even taught me how to play PlayStation. And then one day, I overheard an unpleasant conversation. How can you socialize with that tramp? Nick asked angrily. She's normal. It's your sister. She's not my sister. She's the trash of society. I felt so hurt by those words. I couldn't hold back my tears. I went down to the living room and stared at a picture on the wall for a long time. I really liked the painting. I couldn't help myself, so I went and touched it. If you touch it again, you're out of the house. Nick threatened me when he came in. What? If I find you stole something or invited your tramp friends over, I'm not going to be nice to you. I'll throw you all out. I don't want to steal anything. For the first time, I decided to stand up for myself. I'm not what you think I am. And you'd know that if you weren't such a jerk. We would have kept fighting, but my parents came back. They gave me an expensive phone with a bunch of diamonds on it. Nick just snorted and went back to his room. And I was as happy as a baby. The next day, I decided to take a little walk. It was a beautiful day. I was listening to music on my phone 
when suddenly I was stopped by some vagrants with whom I used to feud. The thing is, I've always been on my own and a lot of people didn't like it. Seeing me in my new clothes and with a cool new phone like this, the tramps just jumped on me without a word, stealing all my money, phone, and even my new jacket. They did me bad and I sat down on the pavement and cried. How bad I felt. But then help came from somewhere I didn't expect. Nick was there. He helped me up and asked me what happened to me. When he heard about the tramps, he called his friends to deal with my abusers. Honestly, my heart almost stopped when Nick and his friends fought the vagrants. The guys took my stuff back and we ran from the cops, laughing for some reason. Nick, thank you so much. I hugged him. You're the best brother ever. The guy blushed and didn't say anything back, but I wasn't offended because his actions were more eloquent than words. When we got home, mom was shocked to see a battered Nick. He brushed it off and said it was okay. My father, on the other hand, was not happy about it. The thing is, my adoptive parents are billionaires and reputation is very important to them. They were afraid of any scandal, so they raised Nick in a strict manner to keep him out of trouble. Nick got very angry when his father told him off, so I decided to console my brother. As it turned out, it pissed Nick off that he lived in a rich family in the first place. You see, money is a weapon to reach some goals, but it's not about happiness. My dad wants me to carry on his business, and I want to be a doctor, and we fight about it all the time. I even felt sorry for Nick, even though I didn't understand him. He had everything since he was a kid, but he doesn't appreciate it because it's not money that matters to him. It's the dream. If he lived in the street, he'd start appreciating everything he has. But then I realized what Nick meant. My father had arranged a business meeting at home with his partners, ordering Nick to attend. I could see that Nick wasn't interested at all. He even got hung up on the phone a few times, for which he received a stern reprimand from father. My father, very cleverly, without descending to insults, humiliated Nick. I felt really bad for my brother. So, I stood up for him. Dad smiled at me and said that I didn't understand anything and that he knew better how to make his son happy and more importantly, rich. Nick was touched that I stood up for him and for the first time, he called me sister and hugged me. Thank you. No one ever stood up for me, he said. I believe in you, Nick. Don't give up. Follow your dreams to the end. But I didn't think my words would have that effect on him. The thing is, that night, Nick ran away from home. He left a note in the living room, saying he'd rather be lonely and poor, but happy and free. My parents immediately pulled all the strings to find my brother, and my heart froze with fear. What if something happened to him? Then it would be all my fault. I was the one who encouraged him to follow his dream. Idiot! My parents couldn't sit still, so they went looking for Nick too. It didn't take us long to find my brother. He was surrounded by a gang of vagrants who wanted to get back at Nick for the last incident. They wanted to attack him in a group. We jumped out of the car right away, scared off all the vagrants and took Nick away. Son, that's not manly. You ran away like a coward. I ran away because I'm sick of you. I don't want to go into business. My goal is to help people and heal them. This argument went on all the way. At one point, Dad got so nervous, he lost control of the car. We hit a pole. Nick hit his head hard on the dashboard. My mom and I got scared. 
dad seemed fine. My brother lost consciousness, and mom immediately dialed 911. What kind of misfortune is following us? Luckily, Nick wasn't seriously injured, but we were so scared for him. We cried in the room while they bandaged his head. I'm fine. Don't worry. He smiled at us. It must have had some effect on my father, and he mellowed. Nick, after all, was allowed to study to be a doctor. He was no longer bogged down with business meetings, which my brother hated so much. But there was another problem. You haven't forgotten about Nick's best friend Brian, have you? Well, he confessed his feelings to me. I was speechless. I didn't see Brian as a boyfriend. He was a friend to me. Nick, on the other hand, was very concerned. He was against us dating. But why? Brian asked. She's my sister and you're my best friend. This is a bad idea. It wasn't so long ago that you didn't think of her as your sister. A lot has changed, Brian. I'm against it. I don't want her to be in a relationship right now and then suffer through a breakup or a fight. Caroline needs to study. Brian didn't like that. Then I had to get into a dialogue and explain to the guy that I wasn't interested in relationships yet. Brian got upset but didn't insist on anything. Eventually, I got used to the luxurious life and Nick became not just my brother but my best friend with whom I could talk to about anything. I'm glad this family came into my life. It's because of them that everything has changed for the better. Would you like to live in a billionaire family? Write your answers in the comments. I'd be interested to read them. Also, don't forget to share the video with your friends. Bye!